Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everybody here today. Glad you are back. I'll point and say that at everybody, but I just noticed you were here. So glad to see you again. We are so glad to have those of you who are visiting. Uh, some have come a long way. If we held a contest, we'd know who would win that. But we're glad to have you here each and every time you have the opportunity. Uh, I would say hello to the Knowles people, but unfortunately for you, you'll be hearing me live in a few hours, so you won't see this. But if you're watching live, uh, we want you to know that we want you to come see us as well when you can. That last song, I've still left it up here, is often thought of as an invitation song. Doesn't have to be. When we're affirming the fact that Jesus paid it all, and that occurred to me this week, I thought, I'm going to shake things up. We won't have that as an invitation-oriented song because all to him I do owe, and he washed me white as snow. So I wanted us to have that thought. This morning, the subject is a bit on the morbid side. I've been known to talk about things that some people consider morbid, because if we don't, it comes and sneaks up on us. It's called bucket list. Now, if you're not familiar with bucket list, it became popular several years ago. There was some movie, I don't think I've ever seen the movie, called Bucket List. But the key is, is that if you knew you were going to die, what would you want to do? What would be on your list of things to do before you kicked? the bucket, before you kick the bucket. So if you knew you had one day left to live, one day left to live, what would you do? What would you do? And this is the point where I'm going to point at different people and say, if he looks up at me here, instead of looking down at his phone, have <laughs> you scored a thousand points yet? Okay. If you had one day left, what would be on your bucket list? One day left. Ah, he doesn't have one day left, and he doesn't want to only have one day left, so he said he would take his wife somewhere nice. That is a good way to make sure you have a chance of living until tomorrow. Good job, good job. What would you do if you had one day left? Spend it with family. Spend it with family, good answer. Uh, what about back here, what would you do? Yeah, I'm looking at you. You're trying to pretend like I'm not looking at you, but I am. Eat gluten for a change. She's supposed to stay away from gluten, so she would say, why not, right? Why not? How about mom? What would you do? One day left. All right, think about it. I'm going to come back to you. You're not getting out of it that easy. Howell, what would you do? Pig out. Pig out? Yeah. Okay. What would you do? Yeah. One day left. No idea. No idea. James, what would you do if you had one day left to live? A bucket list kind of thing. You would what? Thank God. Thank God. All right. Philip, what would you do if you had one day left? Spend it with the kids. Judy, what would you do? Thank him for his mercy and grace. Some of us seem to know the correct answer that we ought to be focusing on. I'm not sure that shows up on a lot of people's bucket lists. But... Ask people sometimes when they're not in a church building and see what you get. Some people might say, I want to go see the Northern Lights. If I could get there between now and then, I want to see them. I've seen them once in my life, driving back of all places from Huntsville, Alabama, and they were up there, some reddish stuff flickering through the sky. I've only seen it once. I've never been up north in the, the nighttime where I could have had an opportunity to see the Northern Lights. Some people, that would be on their bucket list. Some people might say, I want to walk in the sky. Look at that guy. He's a skydiver, 
And the way he's oriented, I mean, it looks like he's just, you know, you could probably pretend to take steps if you're like you're walking on air. Skydive, some people might say, I want, I want to skydive. Others might say if you could get there, they would want to travel. Maybe they'd want to go to the Louvre in France. Others might want to travel and go to that. I don't think that's the Smoky Mountains. Um, they have that bridge that goes across a cavern, but uh, I, I don't know. But go to the mountains, right? Others might want to go to Hawaii if they could get back to it. Uh, that is supposedly, I think from what the picture told me, Honolulu. Maybe. I don't know. But go to the beach, even if it's not Hawaii. It might be tough to get there if you had 24 hours left, but go to the beach. Others might say, we heard some things like this, diet? What diet? <laughs> and so you'd go to this patisserie shop. I can identify most of the things in this picture here. You've got aquares at the bottom. You've got a, what's called a Napoleon, which is an excuse for cream to have some kind of uh, patisserie on top of it. It's just a cream bomb more than anything. And you've got all these lovely things here on the top. Somebody might say, why not? Why not? Some might say, I'm going to spend it with the person I love the most. Right? We heard some, some answers like that, right? A loved one. Others might say, I'm going to spend it with family. We heard that too, right? We heard that too. Interesting ideas. The problem is, of course, most of us are not going to know that we're going to die shortly. Certainly not in a day, certainly not in a couple of hours. That, that rarely comes. Most of us will die and it's, it's usually unexpected, right? Hezekiah, as Brett read earlier, did know that he was about to die. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah comes to him with some encouraging words comes to him with some encouraging words. Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Get your affairs in order. Put your house in order. Make sure everybody knows where the will is. Make sure everybody knows the passwords. Make sure everybody knows the account numbers. You get ready because you're a goner. You're going to die. You will not recover. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You know, usually you want to visit somebody who's sick. This is not what you're going to talk about. You know, you could be dying. And that's, that's usually not what you want to do. You want to be encouraged. This is what Isaiah does. God sent him to Hezekiah to say exactly this. In Hezekiah's case, his immediate response was to pray to God and he asked for a longer life. Let me live. That's not a bad response if you get news from a doctor who does not control everything that you may be dying. God may or may not grant that request in the way that he did Hezekiah's. Doctors don't know everything. They know a lot. They do know a lot, but they don't know everything. Hezekiah prayed that may or may not work for you and me. But I want to look at another example. There's another example in the Bible where someone knew they had one day left to live. And that individual didn't go to the beach, didn't go to family, stuff like that. I want to learn from the example this individual left for us. But John 13, 1 through 3. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew that he was going to die. He knew that he had one day left. This is what is the, the meal, the last meal that Jesus and his disciples, his apostles are having together. Uh, the Lord's Supper is going to be instituted. They're celebrating Passover. They're all together. Jesus has one. He dies the next day. What does he do? You know, sometimes we used to talk about what would Jesus do? People would have the arm man. I know that's so 80s or 90s or whenever that was popular. I've never really wanted to look at what would Jesus do. I think it's much more important to me to say what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? One day left. Did he go off his diet? I don't know. Let's see what he did. Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus had one day left to live, and he washed feet. Most of us today tend to keep our feet hidden. Right? Nobody wants to see my feet. Nobody really, you know, the worst thing you can do on an airplane, right? What? Take your shoes off is what you get told. And it was worse 2,000 years ago. People weren't wearing odor eaters in the bottom of their sneakers. They weren't wearing sneakers. They had sandals on them. And they weren't walking on sidewalks or pavement or in a house that had carpet, it was dirt. And many times, the dirt wasn't just dirt, right? Middle Ages, you may remember, you know, they would have chamber pots, what a lovely word, chamber pots, and they would take them and boom, right outside the front window into the street. I don't really know if they used chamber pots in Israel in the first century, but they had a lot of animals, so it wasn't just earth, it wasn't just dirt. And so when you would walk a long way, right, it's like when I was playing baseball on the dirt infield, my shoes, my socks, and if it was up to me, my pants and my shirt would come home looking very, very dirty because that's what loose dirt and dust does. That's what happened in the first century. And when a guest came to your house, it was usually the work, if you had one, of a slave wash off the feet of your visitors. Jesus had one day left to live and he illustrates a great final lesson for his disciples and apostles and also for us. He takes on not just the form but the actions of a slave, of a servant and he washes his disciples' feet. I'm not going to argue today that we need to all take off our shoes and get a basin, right? Foot washing is done in some places. It's simply an illustration of the, probably the most personal service and help you can give to people. Most of us really don't need our feet washed as much today as they would have 2,000 years ago. But one day left to live, Jesus didn't go to the mountains. He'd been to the mountains before. He'd gone away up into the high places to have some time alone. He didn't do that. He didn't go to see his mom either. 
the mother's nearby. She's at the cross when he's crucified the next day. Jesus didn't go home to see mama. Although he did eat a meal, right? He, he, wasn't, on a, he wasn't dieting the last night he was here. Although he did eat a meal, it was Passover, it had bitter herbs. He wasn't eating, you know, personally it might be lasagna. I love lasagna. He didn't eat his favorite meal. It wasn't a feast of desserts. I don't have a sweet tooth, I have a sweet mouth. Because I, I can't get enough sweets. No. Jesus washed feet. He washed feet. He showed his disciples the important thing in life. After serving God, serve other people. Serve other people. Why? Why did he do that with one day left to live? I, I don't presume to truly know the mind of God, not in any sense, or the mind of Jesus. But I think there's a very easy to determine reason for why, with one day left to live, Jesus took on the form and the actions of a slave and did what none of the disciples would have done. What the Pharisee didn't do when Jesus went to his house, he served others by washing feet. It's so very easy in this life to focus on ourselves. It's so very easy to focus on the three most important people in the world, me, myself, and I. It's a trap. It's a trap that does not end well. Selfish thinking is not the thinking God wants us to. Jesus didn't think selfishly. He thought selflessly. He thought of others. You may think, uh, in this world, my diet doesn't matter now. <clears throat> diet doesn't matter. Others don't matter. I'm dying. Why do I care about other people? I need to do something fun for me. But the entirety of our lives is not meant for us. The reason we are here is not to collect the most toys, is not to have as much fun, to go for the gusto. That was a commercial for an alcoholic beverage 40 years ago. That's not why we're here. The entirety of our lives is meant to love God and serve others. Jesus said, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love your neighbor. And the way we love our neighbor is by serving. If you see someone who is hungry or cold and you think, I sure hope you get something to eat and I sure hope you find some way to stay warm, we fail. You can't simply think love for a neighbor, love for other people. It has to express itself in action. Jesus, the night he's betrayed, you ever thought about it? He washed Judas's. I don't think I'd have done that. I don't think I would have done that. Pretty much the last thing Jesus did when he was with his disciples was show the importance of showing love to other people. You know something? Today's probably not our last day on the earth. Odds are against, odds are really against any of us individually dying today. One of these days it's going to be. 
We won't know, probably. I mean, unless the doctors get a whole lot better over the next few years, you know, with artificial intelligence telling us exactly you got 17 hours, 34 minutes left or something like that. Most of us are not going to know when it's our last day. Perhaps Jesus, what he really wanted was for us to live every day as if it's our last day. What would I do differently if I knew today was the last day I had? I hope I would serve other people. I hope I would try to leave a lasting memory of others. I hope I would show God how thankful I am that he loves me and that I want to be thankful by loving other people. But what I need to do is live every day that way. Spend time serving others like he did. When you look at Philippians 2, verses 7 through 8, Jesus took the very nature of a servant, and the word really there means slave. He took the very nature of a servant or a slave, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the cross, to death, even death on a cross. Jesus took the nature form of a servant gave himself for each of us. If Jesus is not on your bucket list, I don't, I'm not trying to be flippant here, but if he's not on your bucket list, he needs to be. He needs to be on our list each and every day. I want to ask each and every one of us here this morning, if you haven't already, give your life to Jesus today. Give your life to God. Quit living for yourself. Turn your life around. Look to live for God each and every day. That means understanding that God loves you. He does. Even if you can't love yourself, or it's been a long time since you felt love for yourself, God loves you. He sent his son to live and to die and pay the price for your sins, for my sins. And then when he died, God raised him from the dead with the promise that if we believe in Jesus, repent, turn our lives around, Confess him before other people and allow ourselves to die in the waters of baptism and be raised to walk as a new person. We will never die. If you did that, but you just haven't been living for God, then like the prodigal son, come to yourself. Realize where you are and come and ask God to forgive. We go to God in prayer for people a lot, all the time. We will take your name before God. It's not just you who needs forgiveness. All of us do. And we will gladly bring your name before God. You can leave this building this morning knowing that if today is your last day, your mind, heart, and soul are headed home to be with God. That's God's plea every day, every time we're here, our plea. Give your life to God today. As together we stand and sing.